I'm Gary Burgess and welcome to the ME Show, supported by the ME Association. In this series, I meet experts working to treat those with ME or research its cause to find a cure, as well as advocates for all of us. This episode, I speak to Margaret Countess of Mar. She sat in the House of Lords for more than four decades. She also chairs the Forward ME Group, a coalition of ME charities. What I got in spades from my conversation with the Countess is both her warmth and her wisdom, which is serving the ME community well. Margaret, the the Countess of Mar, welcome to the ME show. How are you today? I'm very well indeed, thank you. It is lovely to speak to you. I've seen your name crop up in numerous articles uh, in the Emmy Essentials magazine that I read as, as someone at the forefront of fighting our corner. But, but to be honest, I don't really know much more than that. So I, I guess to start at the start, how have you ended up being one of the, the key advocates for, for people with Emmy? Well, it, it, it's quite an interesting story, really. Back in 1989, I was poisoned by organophosphate sheep dips. And I, I went through the experience that so many ME people go through, where the doctor or consultant slides their glasses down their nose and says, oh, yes, at you, and knowing damn well you don't believe them. Um, and when a lady came to me about her child who had had organophosphate head louse treatments um, and was very ill, uh, she came to me and said that the child had been diagnosed with ME. It... it um, brought up my interest in it and somehow things have escalated <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think as is so often the way from the, from the number of people I speak to including doctors who had you know one patient present desperate yes. for help and, and they were they were good and fair minded enough to go with it and do their own work so I, I, I guess at the start for you a steep learning curve to, to work your way through this this rabbit warren of information and misinformation around ME. Yes, um, I, I, I had quite a good groundwork in it because I think someone has suggested that my sheep dip poisoning might have been ME at one stage, and I did read quite a lot about it in the very early 90s uh, before I got the diagnosis of OP poisoning. And so I, I had a good idea, and I had a, an idea of the controversy that surrounded it, but not the depth of the controversy. Um, the, 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 the psychiatric lobby has, it, has still has a huge amount of power in this field, um, and, and uh, I'm trying to counter that in my own little way, uh, but with the support of most of the ME community, I think, if not all of the ME community. And it's their support and their encouragement that has kept me going because there have been times when I've been not at all well and, and just about to give up and then I remember them and the fact that they've got no voice. Um, and I can, I've sort of ploughed rather a lonely furrow through the first floor. So I'm beginning now to get a bit of credibility, I think. I, I wanted to explore a bit of that. I, I should say for people who, who don't know, you, you do sit in the House of Lords and you are a powerful advocate and you get to your feet and, and, and you have your say. Uh, but sometimes I guess it feels like swimming against the tide. But, but certainly in Parliament and together with Carol Monaghan, an MP in the House of Commons, momentum beginning to build, that tide beginning to turn, or am oh, I being far too optimistic? Not, because I can remember I had a debate... Uh, in the House of Lords in 2013 about the PACE trial. And I, 
I was absolutely, I wasn't dumbfounded because I wasn't really surprised. But every other speaker had been primed by the psychiatric, the, the PACE trial investigators. So everybody spoke against me. And um, Charles Shepard actually was there for the debate. And he said, gosh, <laughs> he, he couldn't believe what had happened. I, I had an inkling because I, I um, have a, a friend who was a doctor in the house and she had been uh, lobbied by the psychiatric community. Um, I, I won't give any names, but I expect everybody knows who they are. <laughs> in that point, even if you have the courage of your convictions and you've done your research and you've got Dr. Charles watching on, is there a moment where you think, maybe I'm wrong? No, I, I have been absolutely convinced that ME is not a, a psychosomatic condition right from the very beginning. I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. For me and for other people listening, I am delighted but not at all surprised to hear based on all of your work. And, and to this day, and I think for something like a decade now, you, you've been the, the chair of the, the Forward ME group of charities, if you could just explain what that is and what you do. Yes, yes um, I, I started this. I used to belong to the all-party group for ME in, in the House of Commons. <coughs> well, it's both houses, actually. Um, and th those meetings became an absolute shambles. Unfortunately, we didn't have a very strong chair. And, for example, you could, you could have a minister waiting to speak and somebody would be quibbling over two words in the minutes. And I, I tried to get that sorted out and, and it didn't seem to work. So I called together the, the leaders of, of the major charities and support groups and I said shall we meet? And if you look on the website, you can see what, what, what the principles of forward ME are. We, we all have our differences. Everybody has a different view of how to do things. I think we all have the same objective in the end. And I said, if we can all work together to achieve that objective, then we will be listened to. But I said, civil servants love it when, when, when there's a dissent amongst the groups because they don't have to do anything. And we work quite hard with Forward ME. We, we've, we've met all sorts of people. We've met ministers and senior civil servants and, and people from the medical profession. And gradually we gained in credibility, and I know that ministers now respect us. And I had long conversations and correspondence with Mark Baker, who was the director of, of, of uh, NICE Guidelines before he retired. <coughs> and eventually... With all the ME charities, we persuaded NICE to review the guideline, which you, you probably all know about. And I think that if we had all been divided, that would not have happened. It's interesting, isn't it? You can get a, a group of, of, of charities or organisations together. And as you say, while the, the end goal is identical, they can just get caught up on nuance and difference along the way. And there are others who, who will take absolute delight in exploiting that, saying, look at, look at this shambles of a group who can't even agree with each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I could see, and I, I, I've seen it. I've been in the House a very long time, like 43 years, and I've, I've seen it happening with other groups. And as soon as people coalesce, the, the attitude towards them changes, and they become respected. And I think this is, this is what we've done now with ME. Are you winning? 
I hate to say that until we've actually won, but I think we're on the way to it. I've decided that I will retire when I've won this battle. <laughs> now, you see, you were talking about setting objectives. What a lovely objective to set. What, what, what a legacy that would be. You know, um, yes. in, in, in terms of your achievements along the way, you, you mentioned about the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the PACE uh, trials, the PACE guidelines, the, the NICE guidelines, I should say. Uh, they're now into the second year of hopefully a three-year review. Is, is that the biggest victory for you so far? Oh, certainly. Yes, um, because everything seems to hinge on the NICE guideline. Over and over again, we're not going to change anything until the NICE guideline is out. Um, we can't do this because the NICE guideline says this. In fact, 90% of the NICE guideline is good. People don't recognize that. The bit that's not good is the inference that it's a psychosocial behavioral problem with CBT and graded exercise being the only treatments. And what's your theory on how that ended up there? Is that about that particular lobby being louder and more organised? Or is it also what they're able to offer is a reasonable sounding answer that that helps shut things up and and, and move patients through the system faster, perhaps? Yes, um, it's all about saving money, of course. Because if if it is... ME, I, I see now, is lumped in with medically unexplained symptoms. And, and medically unexplained symptoms is immediately sent off on the psychiatric route. Brainwashing, in other words. And I did write to, to the, the um, boss of the, of the uh, access to psychological therapies at NHS England, describing the training course as being a training course in brainwashing of ME patients. And what reaction do you get to, to that kind of language? We can't do anything until the NICE guideline is reviewed. <laughs> it's, it really is a, a, a straight jacket around an illness, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. The NICE guideline says this, and we can't do anything until it's reviewed. How hopeful are you that this process we're in the middle of will mean, as you say, a, a lot of the guidelines are, are good or reasonable, but how, how confident are you that the bad bits will go? Uh, I hate to say very confident because that's always dangerous but the, the, the feedback that I'm getting is, is that um, you know how many MPs spoke in, the, in Carol Monaghan's debate every single one of them said get rid of graded exercise and, and, and cognitive behaviour therapy and I think that the, the nice guideline development group will have to listen because those MPs are representing thousands of patients how difficult is it to not just build momentum, which you're doing, but maintain momentum, uh, particularly when the political cycle, by its very nature, is, is finite? You, the cast of characters in that House of Commons will change as the years go by. Is, 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 is the danger that, that people don't maintain that momentum? No, I think, in fact, it, it may well increase because... Uh, it's the same in the medical profession. As, as you get younger people in, they still have that curiosity. That uh, I remember reading A.J. Cronin's The Citadel and, and uh, thinking about how he discovered pneumoconiosis in the miners. He was a, an ordinary GP, and, and looking at the coal miners and, and, and their, their repeated chest infections and, and the state of their lungs when they died, you know, at autopsy, and he went down the coal mine to find out what was going on. 
And I, I keep wondering, where is that in the medical profession now, that scientific curiosity? Medicine is, a, is supposed to be a science. And, and the, the young people are now very much more interested in seeing a whole patient and, and, and perhaps also listening to the patient. This is, this is what is so important. And, and by the same token, then, over time, having a, a new generation of MPs, perhaps uh, younger MPs into Parliament with, with fresh curiosity and a, a lack of institutional cynicism will, will also help inside Parliament. Yes, and of course what really, really helps is, is the number of, of patients, stroke constituents, who write to their MPs. Does that really make a difference, then? It makes a huge difference. You know, I tell you, Carol Monaghan was getting letters from people with ME, and she was just giving an, a standard reply. And then she had one which really made an impression on her from somebody who was severely ill with ME. And she went to visit them in her Glasgow constituency. And she said that turned her around completely. She was absolutely appalled by what she heard and what she saw. Where do you get this fight from? Just, just, just take me back. I know you mentioned your, your mere 43 years in the House of Lords. <laughs> are, are, you, are you one of those lifelong, bloody-minded people when you see a wrong that needs rising, you, you persist? Or, or I've, has I've this... always been like that. Oh, right, OK. Even, even, even as a little girl, I used to fight injustice. <laughs> and I, I see this as a major injustice. Do you think the time will come in the not-too-distant future when society will look back on this with shame? Or, or do you think that's a long way off? No, I don't think it's a long way off. I don't think it's, it, I don't think it's very far off, actually. I think the penny is beginning to drop. Even when you're talking to people in the street now, they don't laugh when somebody says they've got ME. Oh, yuppie flu, you know. Absolutely, you're you're right. The the language has moved on as well. I mean, there's, there's more work to well, do. The, the whole attitude to it has changed, and and the turning point was with those wonderful reports from the United States, um, the NIH report and, and the AHRQ report, which convinced spoke very convincingly about the fact that ME is not a psychological condition. What advice do you have to the the, the, the charities? You know, there are, there are a number of charities, and, and I've learned I, I'm very new to this in the last couple of years. That that even even the the conversation around the work of charities can be highly political with a small p. In that, oh, that charity is better than that charity, and that person is better than that person. What, what advice would you give to the charities to be even more effective uh, as we move forward? What, what what they need to do is to all work together to present a united front to whoever it is they're talking to, the CCGs or, or the, the, the local health trust or whoever it is. As soon as these people see that, that, that everybody is of the same mind, they will do something. They will have to do something. And they will see that they will have to do something. So I, I say to the charities, work together, put your funds together, um, most of the research that's been going on has been funded by charity. ME Research UK has, has funded a lot, and Invest in ME Research has funded a lot. And I think that's, that's the way that we're going to have success. There are, there are plans now for, for major funding, uh, joint United States and UK funding. 
and I'm hoping that they will also provide causation and perhaps treatments. What's the next big thing for you? Um, it, is, is it keeping the foot on the pedal of the, of the NICE guidelines? Are, are there other key projects on the horizon? No, I, I think the NICE guidelines is, is, is my main one. It's, when I first joined the House of Lords, a, a wonderful lady came up to me. I'd watched her. She, she got rid of the, the um, cartels with the airlines. And she said to me, I think she was about 83 at this stage, she said, do you mind if I give you a bit of advice? And I was grateful for any advice. And she said, specialise, my dear. And that's what I've done. That's really interesting. Rather, rather than be, be one small person in a very large crowd. Yes. Yep. Create your own smaller niche and, and stand out and, and be the, the go-to expert. That's right. And this, of course, is where MPs have a problem. Because I don't have a constituency, unless we call it me people, my constituency. Um, Whereas MPs have to deal with everything from local housing to ME to everything else you can think of, roads and lighting and all sorts of things. So I am able to concentrate on just one thing. Do you enjoy it? I don't think I'd have kept going for 43 years if I didn't. I think that's a good answer. Um, I, I want to wrap this up with, with a bit of optimism for, for the many patients with ME who, who may be listening to this. Uh, you know, it, it, it can sometimes feel very doom and gloom. It can feel an absolute uphill battle. Uh, the, the millions missing can feel completely unheard. What, what can you say in terms of a bit of optimism just to round things up, Margaret? I really do appreciate the the problems that people with ME have. They feel isolated, they feel denigrated, um, they feel that absolutely nobody cares for them. People do care for them. People do care about them. And I think, just hang on in there. Have courage. I know it takes a lot of courage sometimes to get through the pain and, and um, the, the, all, all, all the, the problems that one has with just simply living from day to day. And hang on in there and we'll get there and you will be respected and as you said uh, retirement will only follow success for you so i hope your retirement comes very quickly <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much indeed it's been a delight uh, speaking to you today uh, margaret countess of mar thank you very much for joining us on the emmy show Thank you. Margaret, Countess of Mar. And you'll find links to the work of the Forward ME Group of Charities in the show notes that come with this podcast. If you're listening in iTunes, please do rate and review the show there. It helps others find us when they're searching the ME show. And for now, thank you for listening. <laughs>